Hi, welcome to More Life, the Reentry podcast, a podcast about offender reentry, reform, and advocacy. I'm your host, Vankivia Gardner. Thank you for joining us today. So, today we're going to be talking about reentry and exactly what that is. I know that it seems like this episode is well overdue, or this is something we should have done at the beginning, but it's here now. And um, I have a really great person here to talk with me about this subject. His name is Mr. Dwight. Mr. Dwight is a reentry coordinator for the city of Little Rock in Arkansas. Um, he's been in this position since 2018. He's also a graduate of University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Um, and overall, he's been employed with the city of Little Rock since 2007, but has recently gotten this position uh, in 2018, like I mentioned before. Um, one important thing about Mr. Dwight is that he is very committed to serving Little Rock individuals seeking uh, a second chance in life, as he is an individual that was also given a second chance. So without further ado, I'll let Mr. Dwight kind of talk and say anything else that he feels like he wants to add. Hey, uh, good afternoon. Thank you for that warm introduction. Like you said, my name is Dwight Bridging. I'm originally from Pine Brook, Arkansas. And I'm an individual that was given a second chance. Uh, and uh, years ago, I said in 1999 or 2000, I went to serve time in the federal prison system. Uh, I used to be a probation officer here in the city of Little Rock. So. So I always want to say second change, not a second career, but a second opportunity in life doing the work that I was chosen, was uh, asked to, was, you know, chosen to do. But stuff went wrong in one particular time, and I found myself, got myself in trouble with the criminal justice system and had to go end up doing federal prison time. Opportunity that something back then I regret it happened, but it was a wake-up call. It was a lesson learned. While in prison, I made myself a promise to the Lord. I said, well, Lord, you know, I'm educated, got a career, had a, had a uh, career, lost it. I said, if you ever give me another opportunity to serve your people, this is the Lord's people. I was serving with the best of my ability. And I meant that from the heart. So I got out of prison. Um, took me 70 years, calendar years, to be released from prison to get a full-time job. And once I landed that full-time job, I landed a full-time job with the city of Little organization that I'm working with today. As of May 14th of 2022, give me 15 years with the city. So I don't shy where I come from. I just, I'm thankful and grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, so I, I see, um... I guess you guys can see why I have him on this episode to talk about uh, what is reentry and kind of like to explain to the audience of what this is. Um, he comes with a history of where he knows, like he said, exactly what this experience is like. Um, and I think, no, he's just going to be able to really be able, he's going to really be able to convey this to you guys. So um, to continue forward, uh, Mr. Dwight, can you really just talk to us about what is reentry? Like what, what does that mean when somebody says that? Personally, to reentry to me, uh, Garner, is a person that's seeking a second chance, a person that's been to prison, on probation, or parole, seeking a second chance in life. And the reentry department, the city of Little Rock, the organization that I work with, 
We believe in giving that person a second chance. You know, you get individuals that get out of prison, they don't have anything, you know, not nothing. I mean, staying in prison for so many years, they're looking for uh, housing, job, the self-esteem is down. You know, you got to boost them up, the morale is down. Uh, you know, you got some that need medical assistance, uh, employment. Some of them don't even have driver license. So this is what my organization do. We go over and beyond to help that person get returned to be a productive citizen in society again. Now, don't get it, it's twisted. It's not easy, because a lot of it has to do with that individual. A lot of it has to do with that mindset and that really to change from that mindset perspective. I hope that answers your question and dive into a little deeper, just, you know, this, what I think reentry is, is what, you know, giving a person a second chance in life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think going into like one of my second questions or thoughts that I was having, um, you said it really depends on the individual. So it kind of sounds like uh, reentry is not the same for everybody. No, is not. it? Um, no, no. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm like, I guess. See, go for ahead. For example, I'm reentry. It took me one time, one time to get my stuff together. Now, sometimes it takes a person two, three, four, until they get it together. Mm -hmm. Just because that person has taken all those many chances in life, I didn't get it together. You don't close close the door on them. If you're doing God's work. They're still re-entry. They're trying to get it together. You never know what that person has been through or what the tribulation trap did they come through. So I said, it ain't always a second chance, but the the the, the, the I think a brother lover is a second chance program. But it's more than a second chance program. And I make a prime example, and I talk about it all the time. I got a cousin that lives in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. He went in prison. He's 62 now. He started his uh, criminal justice when he was 16 years old. He's been in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I've been following, you know, during that time right along with him. But now he said he's ready to change. When we say he started when he was 16, he's 62 now. So right. he said he's ready to change. So I'm committed to going to see him. I haven't seen him in 40 years and probably Memorial Weekend to see if that mindset is there. Now, I'm not gonna shy away from him. I know that I've changed the stuff that I did. If he's ready to change, okay, I'm gonna open up more to give him opportunities. You know, I've sent him books, you know, I did emote, emote, uh, uh, emotional speeches with him, meditation, do it all. So now I wanna see where his mindset is. And you got other individuals like, say they're ready to change, three months they back doing what they was doing. I personally don't want that person. I help that person, but that person would really put on the back. Because right now, I can't take a uh, chance to jeopardize what we got here going for persons that are really, really ready to change. They don't, not saying I'm not going to help them. It's just being more of a slow process. I want somebody that's really ready to change to be a productive citizen, be in society. So from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you're saying like not only um, one, I guess like one of the biggest things for the individual is, is like their mindset. They have to be, 
they have to have a perception of the world maybe uh, that is moving towards change right. to kind of get them on this path of, um, I guess, what, what is the terminology that we use? Desistance, um, reframing from criminal activity or returning back to prison? You know, I, yeah, in a sense, but just remember if a person is actually ready to change, you get innovative that come to that door, okay? They want what I want, when I want. They forgot about their past conviction. They want you to change, they want to stop right now and say, look, this is why I'm here. I said, let me tell you something, young man, don't forget about your past, okay? Don't never think that's gone here. There's an opportunity for you. But don't ever think you better than nobody else. I understand you're ready to change, but you got to think about those victims and that family you destroyed. Now, I understand we believe in a redemption and whatever else, but you know, you get some of that Rockefeller mentality. I want it now. I want it right now. But you forgot what they did in the past. And you might have committed aggravated robbery, made it really violent and hurt a person. Well, I got to get no job. Okay, that's the reason you got those violent charges. But what did you do in prison? You know what I'm saying? You throw something in the end. Did you take any soft skills? Did you take any uh, vocational training skills? Did you do any of that? Or did you just, like I say, lift weights and look at ESPN? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. So I guess so like not only we see we see people going in and out of the cycle, in yeah, and out of the cycle. It. But also they may have different experiences while they're on this journey of reentry as well, right? So like not everybody may have employment concerns, right? And not everybody may have substance abuse concerns. Um, can you talk a little bit about that from like, I guess like which, especially what you've seen in your work? Well, that's not a touchy touchy, that's really substance abuse. Oh, and it doesn't necessarily have to pertain to just substance abuse. I guess I was just looking at the how these experiences can be different among returning citizens. Well, you know, everybody wants to smoke weed. <laughs> well, that's a part of it. You know, and that's a part of it. Arkansas. Uh, marijuana is not illegal. illegal. Yeah. So someone still had that mindset. You know, and you lose a lot of people. For that reason, but they want to smoke weed, you know, but they don't understand they got to take a DT, a drug test. Mm -hmm. So alcohol is not that bad, you know, but the marijuana is the, is the challenge. So they can't pass a drug test. So then it's substance, then your self-esteem go back levelizing down. So it ain't about the, uh, when I said touchy, touchy, I mean, that's substance abuse was already there before they, some of them, go, it was already in their life before or something such uh, it happened to them. That's what he was. It's, it's a touchy, touchy. You know, I don't, I don't elaborate on substance abuse in particular because if the person said it's ready to change, they're gonna drop everything. They're gonna not. I drop everything. Cold turkey, and then go back. It takes a strong person to do that. I, I respect it for me myself. It took me a, a strong person to do that because my story was traveled different than anybody else's story that I can that can imagine. Right. So how many people do you get, like, obviously not like a real number, but like, how many people do you honestly see that come into your office and are like, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready today. Um, you know, they're and they're really ready. There has been some success stories, really have been some success stories, real positive success stories. Okay, I've been doing reentry now since September of 2018. 
So I did probation and parole from 93 to 99. But that's that window that I had to go do some prison time, right? But, you know, I, and, I, and I share, and you met the young man too, and I brag on him so, so much because Camry was a person that I hired. And the reason why I'm, I can was be maybe 31 now. Yeah, maybe you're 31. Uh, I see these young people come through the door every day, every day. Mindset ain't, ain't changed. Smell like weed, hair ain't been combed, parents ain't off the book, but they want a job. See, but they convicted felon. They wonder why it's going on. So Cammy comes through the door. See, Cammy comes in the door and he's prepared. Now, he's got some charges. He aggravated assault and some other stuff. He comes to the door. He's prepared. He got his resume. He got a shirt and towel on. He's ready to go to work. See, and my plan was just to hide, to hide Cameron, maybe the planning department because he had the data experience. But I was looking for a person, uh, an assistant, right? And I hired him on as an assistant. So, but he's no longer with us now because Cameron went to a, I don't, when I hire a person on, I don't try to hold him because it's a re-entry program, take him to the next level. Now, Cameron's working with Restore Hope 100 families, who he's, well, he's now as a case manager. Plus, on top of all of that, Cameron got his, 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 his BA, Bachelor of Science degree, plus he's going to go to law school, plus he's filed for a party. So, that's a success story there. And that's what the kind of success story that I see happening. But people that are Joe Blow that gets out of prison, that's a lot of success story goes there too. They always come, they always give back. But I, I, I speak about Camry because Camry is the one that I know ain't going back. Yeah. I know that from heart. Because yeah. I've, been, I've been installed in me and him. <laughs> I love and you know and I love that for Cameron and I and I'm oh, glad yeah I know that's why I'm like I'm really glad to like to see him like excelling um, and moving on up because like you know those are the things that I love to see um so you know you've helped Cameron and you've helped so many other people oh, like yeah. just yeah. in your role tell us about what exactly is your role what do you do uh, as a reentry coordinator you know like I tell anybody whenever I do introduction to people uh, my role is a, is a caseworker, okay, a brother, a dad, a financial advisor, all above. My whole thing is, you know, whenever I meet them where they are, see, see, I got to always remember this about this about some stuff. You never know where you're going or where you come from, and I say that because. The guy that had the position before I had the position, I trained him for the position, but I didn't get the job at that particular time. And I can remember lots of times when people would come into the office, when the city hall, when reentry was down in the city hall. It might have maybe a Monday or something, they'd come in and say, we want to see so-and-so, so-and-so. So I go get so-and-so, so-and-so. I'm not going to call his name. So when I go get so-and-so, so-and-so, first thing he said to the person is, who sent you? You got a point, what you want. So, now you don't know, I don't know, you don't know how that person weekend was. You know what I'm saying? So, they are in theory of coming to City Hall. So, what I do now as a person, I meet them, bring them in, sit them down, you know, put them in my space, you know, tell me, 
you know, introduction, tell me a little bit about you. Once they tell me a little about them, I said, just relax. I said, I'm also a convicted felon. And the shoulders just, because they know they got somebody they care about. Right. So my thing is, when I'm telling us, look, it's your choice. I can make you to be, become a productive citizen being in society. That is, that is what you want. I said, but you got to be able to understand. It's not going to be easy. First thing we're going to have to try to do is change your mindset. If you change the mindset and the conception, oh, it's, it's over. It's only part. And then you see the success story. Then Mr. Prison, I got me a car, I got me a house. They got all that. The legal way, but not the illegal way. Right. And I think, no, that's, I think that's honestly true. Cause I think just about like anything in life, if you change your mindset of how you think about things or how you view the world, you can probably make a lot of change. Uh, and I imagine that it applies the same way here. Um, so I think that's a very important point as well. So just thinking about your job and like the work that you do, what is like, I guess like, this is such a cliche question to ask, but like, what is the greatest part of your job? Like the part that you enjoy the most? The greatest part about my job is seeing a person that come through that door, broken down and leave with a smile on their face. You can imagine. Yeah. That's the greatest part about my job. Cause see, I'm being able to do the intake assessment application on that person to see where their needs and wants are. So when I deliver that service, oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yes. But I don't stop there. I don't stop there. When I see him, we're going to do this for you. We're going to get your driver license back. We're going to put you in college. We're going to get you some dental hair. We're going to get it all. Then they go, where were you 10 years ago? You know, they ask those questions. I said, was you ready 10 years ago? I went around 10 years ago doing this type of work. Oh, I was in probation and parole. But you know, that's the greatest part about it. When you see them come to that door, broke it down, and leave out with a smile, when they see you can pick up the telephone, hey, I got so-and-so, so-and-so, I want you to do an interview. And they get the job. Right. That's the it's, greatest part about it. Because it's like they're leaving out of there with some hope. Hope is the word. Leaving hope. with some hope. Starting it in there. Really, yes. Even though when I used to go do it, I used to go to prisons and do, uh, uh, motivation species and stuff. And I never get the time. I went back to the federal penitentiary, not the federal penitentiary that I was in. You know how you go in there, you know, everybody coming because they were re-entry. Everybody coming from all different areas. You got people coming from the outside. They like to scared of the inmates. So, you know, first thing I do is look around the room, survey the room. They don't know me from a hole in the wall. So when I see, I grab that mic and say 219 Everybody look back like you said me. So now they know, oh, you was through. You I said, yeah, I'm one of them. Just like that. I let them know that I'm one of them. But what I want them to understand is if I can do it, they can do it. But it won't be easy. And you see the correctional job guards looking with the dog glasses on. Okay, now. So then we go into discussion. That's how we make that thing flow like that. Okay. Yeah, so you you are like we've seen before, like. You're able to kind of use your um, your status as a platform, as an inspiration, as you know, like you said, to let people know, like it's not going to be easy. And well, I know it's like, and I know that it's not easy. I can only well, imagine, no. um, but it is doable, and you can do it. It's, it's doable. It's all persistent mm -hmm. and faith. Yes, believing you can do it. 
Yeah, that is very true. So I think like, granted that's your greatest thing, it's only right to also ask like, what is the most challenging part of your job? The most challenging part of my job. <laughs> What do you want me to tell you? I, honestly, I do honestly want you to tell me. The ones think they can bullshit me. I already know they ain't going to bullshit. I let them know at the front door. That's challenging. Because yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to turn nobody around. Right. But some of them, you got to turn them around. Because you know they're, they're not ready. They got it all together. You know, you try to, and you're going to always have ones that are going to try you. But then that's the challenging part about it, because I'm street and I'm professional. I know how to still flop it at the same time. That's challenging to a certain extent, because I know they're making a mistake, but I want to see them change. Mm -hmm. The challenging part is not being able to help. The most challenging part is not being able to help a sex offender. They've already did their time, paid their debt to society, but they got that sex offender hovering over here. That's challenging, you know. And the challenging one is to tell you, Miss Pretty, I don't know what I'm going to do. Think about, you know, getting to commit suicide, do what it is. That's challenging to me. Mm -hmm. But I try to talk them out of it, you know. I had a young lady, and I, I tell you the honest to God truth. I worked with that young lady, but she bipolar. She called me one day, and she said, Shanika, she called me one day, she needed some gas. You know, I'm the type of person. This guy come through here every day. You got some change? I'll give him some money, but I want him to do some work. That young lady called me and wanted me to bring her some gas down in the park because she was home. I took her some gas, jumped out the car, pouring her rain in there, took some gas in the car, I got her some gas and put the gas can down and got back in the car. I saw in the lighting match, lighting match. She tried to kill herself. She was stabbing herself, stabbing herself because she was homeless. She wasn't, she wasn't on her medication. I said, Joe, now you mean to tell me you're going to kill yourself right here in front of me? I said, I would just come say, Three days later, she didn't realize what she had done. She had not, no idea what she had done. See, that's the kind of stuff. You got to be, like I said, you got to be that counselor. You got to be that confining person. It's challenging, you know. And the most, most challenging part is, is other people say, what you going to get hit for? Why are you doing this? He ain't going to do this. He going to do this again. He going to do So what, what did he do? What, what does he do? That's not what I'm here for. My, my mom... But like I said, my primary goal is to try to make that person a productive citizen in society again, by all means necessary. Right. Sometimes it's challenging. It's challenging for me to wake up in the morning. I thank the Lord for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. I'm sure it is, 6.30 in the evening. I'm here, but I got up this morning at 5 o'clock. But it's challenging that I do what I do. It makes a big difference in people's lives today. You, you, you imagine, man, it's just if we if you had more people like me in reentry that cared about a person from the bottom of their feet to the top of their head, this world would be a totally different person. And it ain't all about the money, it's about changing the person's life. Really? No, seriously, That's I important. agree. That's really important. I definitely agree with that. Um and it's such an important area. And, you know, I, I don't I don't want to talk about why it's important right now, because I there's a few areas I want to hit first. Um, but talking about like reentry and, 
you know, what you've noticed as far as your position and things like that. What are some areas that we are doing exceptionally well in? I really don't know that the, the way, I mean, when you look at that reentry perspective, just think if a person is in prison, mm -hmm. okay? They have an opportunity to get reentry, some reentry class, a reentry program in prison. So when they get out, some of them are ready to go. So I think exceptional world is changing some mindset. To me, it's changing some of them mindset, but not all of them mindset. But it's different avenues of reentry too. It really is different. It's different. It's different aspects of reentry that I see. But I know everybody want them. A job, you know, the mental health piece is important. I tell a person, I want to hear first before I see you on the job. Because I can get your mind right. I ain't worried about you quitting that job. You go get stay on that three weeks and get a check, you go on. But I get you in there, hey, let's what is here. Let's get your credit, let's get your checking account, let's get your savings account, let's get your mentor, let's do that. So it's some good and it's some bad. Yeah, and you know, speaking of the bad, uh, what what are those areas where we could use that improvement? More people that care. Okay. About the work that they do. Okay. Don't worry about a person's past. You know, you know what you're doing. You know why you're there. Is it there for the money? Is it there for the trying to save, make a person, change the person's life? I mean, I learned a long time ago when I was a probation officer. Uh, you got to have a heart for this work. If you ain't got a heart, leave it alone. Because you're going to get burned out. Quick. You know. And I feel like that's what I see with a lot of people, you know, in probation or just officers and uh, stuff like that is they, they kind of experience this burnout because they don't have the passion um, to work with this population like other people do, like people like us. Um, you know, they really want to make the change and see these people excel and like you said, become productive citizens. And we do need more people in this area. See, if the person becomes a productive citizen in society, then once they come out probation and parole, Go get your voting rights back. Something you think you never had. Go get your voting rights back. That's being, that's a start right there. That's something they can't take away from you. Once you get your voting, then they can you can't tell a pistol again. You know, you're not gonna be able to tell a weapon again unless you get a pardon from the federal, from the governor or the president. But like go get your voting rights back. Go back to school, you know. Do something you always wanted to do, but didn't have a chance to do when you were young in life. But bone rise is a self-esteem problem. You know, when they come here, I ask the question. That's one of my questionnaires. That's all they say. Hey, you got your bone rise back? Do you want to go? Some of them don't even want to vote. You know, they don't really want to vote because they didn't think they could vote. Right. Because they think they're a convicted felon and the judge has got to wear, you know. You know, don't associate with convicted felon on being person bomb criminal activity. You hear stuff like that, don't feel like you can vote. All right, they want to vote again. But you put them in that box and you show it. I get them excited here. We're going to get you started voting back. You don't get them any primaries to get them to go in the voting. 
And you see the smiles on their face when they do that. Yeah. Then you get them in here, try everything on God's green earth, make one phone call. I mean, you have financial driver's license from the Lord. Hey, so and so, so and so here. Wait, all fees got the driver's license. That's what I'm talking about. That's the duck. That's the duck there. That is. That is. Don't they, they don't have to drive to get the work. Even a child support don't get the money, whatever else. But that's productive. They didn't even make a phone call and say, hey, so and so, so and so. They get their driver's license back. You right. see, yeah, they ready to rock and roll. Yeah. That's steps towards that's, that's steps towards change. That's steps towards redemption and everything else. Because you got some, they never had no driver's license. They were just driving, driving, driving. But they go to get that driver's license, take the test over here, they see the difference in And they start to like celebrate those small wins. The and small then, wins. Yeah. And they then you get these bigger changes that come they up see. and you know, they like, start to see the change. See the change, you know, like you know, when you used to selling drugs, you know. They're still selling, but they're selling themselves, you know, to be more productive in society. Mm-hmm. Now they work an hourly wage job. Now I tell them, look, I say, you're going to work, you go to prison, you're going to work for free. They ain't going to pay you nothing but hard labor. You come here, you can get a job, a decent, honest pay with the benefits. You ain't yeah. got to worry about that street life. You know, you ain't got to worry about looking over your shoulder. Your mama ain't got to worry about, did my son make it tonight or what? You know, it's just that whole mindset. And we got organizations here in the city a little like that cares about people or what the life is all about. I'm serious too. I mean, we, we it's a lot of kids, a lot of violence here, but we got a lot of positive people here too that's doing the work that needs to be done. Yeah, I agree. And um you know, I love, I love the city and um, <laughs> I love everything about it. Um, and I, but I do think um, one of the things that you touched on is very important is mental health. Uh, I, oh I also believe, you know, and I think me being in the field of clinical psychology is so important to me because I do think that mindset, that mental health aspect of it, uh, of whatever you may be battling internally uh can interfere with kind of this process and those yeah. things need to be addressed um, before we can kind of even withstand this long-term change. Cause even just like my experience of working with uh, returning citizens, I've seen of where you can set it all up for them, give them the house, give them the car, you know, give them everything. But if, like you said, if they don't have that, uh, that, that mindset of, you know, this is the path I'm going on and I'm not going back down this road. None of that other stuff matters. Like the, it'll completely go to waste because they're not mentally ready or mentally prepared, or like you just said, have that mindset to kind of move towards this change. It's like they want it, right? Thing. And then when they get it, they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't want to do it. Yeah. Imagine, imagine a young man has been to prison when he, when he was maybe 15 years old. He got out when he was 40. Think about that. He grew up in prison, right? Basically. So he don't have no social skills, no nothing. So after the judge, so after the Supreme Court let him out because of the juvenile law. Right. He can't cope. He couldn't cope. He went back because he couldn't cope in society. Yeah, 
And that that's that's another big thing. Is just it's it's good crime to get back. Yes, and it's a shock coming out when you, like you said, you've been raised by the prison system, and then you come out into this free world. Yeah, and you got interstates, you got cars, you got these right here, cell phones, you got everything that can adjust to what's going on. Right. You see it when you see it in prison, but you see it on a different level. Yeah. You go down the street down there, they got these great big old buildings. And the buildings were there when you hear it. Mm -hmm. That's a culture shock. I think that is the perfect term for it because I, I literally know people who have been in prison so long that they don't even know what iPhones are. It's a culture. It, and they come out and they're still looking for us to show stuff through the newspapers. And I'm like, no, we got Twitter and social media and Facebook <laughs> for all of that. Um, and it, it is a culture shock and um, it, it's an adjustment. Um that I can imagine, I can only imagine is is very difficult to navigate when yeah, I, they can't read or write their way. Right. So that's the show. Now, and everything now is going online. Email me, man. What is email? You know, FaceTime. What is FaceTime? They don't know how to do all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember when I was uh, when I was working with the organization in Little Rock, I was, you know, helping some of the uh, guys there, you know, get situated with going to college and stuff. They didn't know what financial aid was. They didn't know how to work an email. They didn't, yeah. let alone know how to type a professional email to even inquire about something. Um, it, it is. It's just a it's a big culture shock, like you said. Um and I think that's people. Why, that's really why this program, financial literacy, soft skills, career awareness, is, is here. Yeah. Computer training, all of mentorship, dress to success, building it all up. Yeah. Bring it all up. And bring people and being positive, bring positive people around. Yeah. To make a big difference. Uh, big difference uh just what i've read a lot about is having those kind of pro-social relationships for sure okay look i think that is amazing and like i think you know the you already know that i think the work that you do there is amazing um um this is an area that you know i love i know you love it and we're both learning as we go through the process of things. Um, I guess like, uh, let me see, to, I guess like we wanna wrap things up pretty soon. What is some, um, just for our audience or not even just for our audience, um, but for our community members and for the returning citizens out there, what advice would you give them, Mr. Dwight, um, or recommendations, anything like that that you feel like would be useful? Don't give up. Okay. Don't give up. Everybody make mistakes. Yeah. Everybody make mistakes. Don't be in a don't be ashamed or embarrassed. Because like I tell anybody, in somebody's family, that's criminal justice. It's a criminal in everybody's family. Mm -hmm. So who am I to say not to hit them? Don't give up. Don't give up. Because if you give up, it's hopeless then. Mm -hmm. And I installed, you know, and like I told you, when I went to prison, I remember well. I said, Lord, if you give me if you give me another opportunity to serve your people, I promise you I'm gonna serve them with the best of my ability. And just remember when I say that though, 
I had to, because I was a probation officer, right? So the first thing I had to do when I get out of prison was to develop trust. Mm. For people to start trusting me again. You know, for a long time, you know, I come from that government background. I wouldn't go downtown without putting shades on and try to hide my identity. You know, because my charge was a high profile charge, first of all. So it, it worked on my self esteem. Guess what? I didn't give up. But it did take me seven calendar years when I was blackballed to land back on my feet. And when I landed back on my feet, I'm here today. Right. 15 years strong. So the work has been put in. I'm going to continue to put the work in, but I said, don't give up. It might be hard, but don't give up. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeking a pardon from the federal government, from the president of the United States. That's next on my agenda. I don't think it'll be a hard thing to, do, to get, but I'm, I'm seeking it. And so I can go to the next level. Right. And I, I, you know, that sounds great. And I wish you the best of luck on that. And, you know, I hope that all works out for you. I really do. Um, and I think, like you said, don't give up. It's challenging. Um, it's challenging, but it's doable. It's real doable. And we have so we have so many success stories out there of people doing it, including Mr. Dwight. He is here testify for y'all that like it's possible and um you know just keep putting in the work and um your time will come will. so with all that being said i really do appreciate y'all for listening to us today um if you are interested in um learning more about mr dwight i will put his facebook uh, account in the description box and as always please follow the more life podcast at more life the reentry podcast on instagram thank y'all